welcome to Dissident Daughters Podcast. I am Ada, and I'm here with Jezebel again. Hello. Welcome, Jezebel. Um, so we are here today to talk some more about, since it's Pride Month. Happy uh, Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. We're going to talk about all things gay, all the yes. gay things. My favorite. Your favorite topic? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Salt Lake did their Pride Festival from May 29th to June 5th. This was the very first Pride Festival that we were able to go to. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I, for whatever reason, I can't remember why exactly, but I know we wanted to go in 2019 and we weren't able to go. So they haven't had the Pride Festival since then because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So this was the first chance that we had to go to Pride. And what was your take on it? What did you think about it? It was really cool. I I mean, it was fun to see all the people who were like in support and, mm-hmm. you know, there were tons of people there. And yeah. It was it was very long. It was a long parade. Yeah, it was a long parade. So mm-hmm. we did not go. So I guess the whole festival was like an entire week. Mm-hmm. We did not. We weren't able to go to all the things. But we went to the parade on Sunday morning. They actually said that they doubled the the parade route. Like it was twice as long as it used to be. Mm-hmm. The attendance for the whole pride festival was like hugely way bigger than it's been before. My sister has been to the pride parade before and she couldn't believe how many people were in this one and how long and big the parade was. So that makes me happy because that means it's growing and it's thriving, right? The whole pride festival thing. Yeah. So when I looked at the, I don't know, there's been some news articles about it and they said 70,000 people attended pride they said there was uh, over 300 vendor- vendors. So I think that is a good sign yeah. for Salt Lake City, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I learned, well, there's a few other pride parades. I know Ogden is having one. So if any of the listeners want to know, I know, let me look at the date really quick. I think it's August, sorry. Yeah, August 5th through the 7th is Ogden Pride. Um, I haven't looked up. I'm pretty sure that Provo has a pride parade as well. Hmm. I I I saw something about Provo. There's like an encircle event. Yeah, I saw that too. That's on June 18th. Mm -hmm. Yes, I saw that. And so I think all of those things are like good news for LGBTQ people, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it shows progress. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about your story last time Mm -hmm. you're coming out um and i think we felt like we still had a lot to talk about Mm -hmm. when it comes to the whole coming out experience the community support or lack thereof Mm -hmm. some of those types of things we have a pride flag in front of our house Mm -hmm. and we don't we don't have it up all year long but we usually like rotate because sometimes we'll put up the american flag for holidays and for stuff. certain holidays but then for the most part we put our pride flag up like quite a bit throughout the year right it's not yeah. just up during pride month yeah um but we are the only ones until like maybe i think our neighbors put one up about two weeks ago probably at the beginning yeah. of june right yeah they put one up 
June 1st. Yeah. And there are like best friend neighbors that we mm-hmm. love so much. And they haven't lived there for very long. Maybe mm-hmm. like three years. Yeah. And I think last year was the first time they put up a pride flag. So we've just been the little old lonely house on the street. And not just on our street. Like literally, probably within a one mile radius, I, I have never seen yeah. another pride flag. I haven't either. So we live in a, an extremely conservative I've seen tons of Trump flags. Yes. There's one like... Almost every five houses, there's a Trump flag. So yeah. that's that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, Wasn't so. at at the parade? There was even there was like the LDS support for like there was yeah Mormons building bridges. Yes, mm-hmm. and they were pretty small. Yes, there was not very many people in that group. They had mm-hmm. a big banner and they were marching. And I expected there to be a lot more people in that group. Yeah. But uh, I have a feeling that maybe a large majority of them just end up leaving the church. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure if that's true, but... I assume so. We kind of made a joke about it when we said that. Like, oh, Mormons building bridges. Uh, Most of them, it looks like, have left. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about, though, because... Mm -hmm. So before I left the church, I recognized and I saw that... People who had gay people in their families, mostly parents of gay kids, would always end up leaving the church. And that puzzled me. And I was like, why do they leave the church just because their kid's gay? That doesn't mean they need to leave the church. That doesn't Mm -hmm. really make sense to me. I wasn't necessarily like judging them and thinking they were bad people for doing that. But I was puzzled by it. I genuinely was curious, like, why does having a gay kid make you leave the church? Because Mm -hmm. I saw it. Over and over and over again. And now I get it, right? Because, yeah. and and I do think there are members of the church who have gay kids who stay. Mm-hmm. But I am a part of a, a LDS parents of gay children uh, Facebook group. So if you are, you know, an LDS person of a gay child and you haven't heard of this group, you should go join it. It's called I'll Walk With You. And it's from the primary song, I'll Walk With You by Mm -hmm. Carolyn Pearson, which is awesome. An awesome song. But that's where they got that name from. I still stay in the group, even though I'm no longer LDS. And I think actually a lot of the people in the group are no longer LDS. Mm. Or at least they they, they are struggling. They are in the midst of a faith crisis. But it's been a really good support group as a mom to kind of like hear other people's stories, to know that I'm not alone in like just in the early days mm-hmm. of when you first came out and the struggle that I had in just wrapping my brain around it, um, changing my expectations about what life would look like for you. I still, even though it sounds maybe sad to say this, but I had to grieve mm-hmm. because it was a huge change and it was not the way I envisioned your life, mm-hmm. you know, and I had always been taught really negative things about the gay agenda mm-hmm. and people who turn gay and all of those things. And so there was still a lot of fear and a lot of sadness and a lot of grief and a lot of just tons of emotions. You were and forced so, to, to rebuild the way that you were used to thinking. Right. And you're forced to question everything you've ever been taught, right? You're, mm-hmm. for, you're put in a place where you're like, okay, hold on. Let's like go through this. It's like I've used mm-hmm. the analogy before of like having a glass table and every and it just shatters. Mm-hmm. And all the pieces are on the ground. 
and it's devastating because it will never look the way it looked before, mm-hmm. right? You can never, you cannot put pick up every piece of glass and glue it back together. And so what I had to do is I had to go through all the pieces of glass and pick up the ones that were still really important to me, the ones that I wanted to pick up, the ones that were still meaningful, the ones that I still believed in, the ones that I still loved. Mm-hmm. And then I had to leave the rest of the pieces of glass on the ground that didn't, that no longer made sense, that no longer felt right, and that no longer were true for me yeah. and my family, right? So... I, I know now why so many LDS parents end up leaving the church. And it's because they recognize, number one, that what they've been taught their whole lives is not true and that the leaders were wrong. And if they're wrong about that, then they're probably wrong about a bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so it's kind of just like the beginning of the end. At least that's the way I would describe it for me, right? Yeah. And so... We kind of make the joke about Mormons building bridges that the group is shrinking. But I think there's always new members joining because when I first, when you first came out to me, my goal was to stay in the church and just be a progressive Mormon and to change the, change the culture, change the way people viewed it, to speak up, to be an ally, to wear Mm -hmm. my rainbow pin to church, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then when I recognized that the culture can't change unless the doctrine does, Mm-hmm. then that was kind of why I had to end up leaving. And realizing that my money and my time and my effort and all these things were going to a church that was just going to always hurt you. It was never going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. I think progressive Mormonism is like the gateway to yeah. <laughs> leaving yeah. because you realize there's only so much that you can do to mm-hmm. change things and it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Especially as a woman. Mm-hmm. We have no power in the church. Mm-hmm. The leadership of the church shows no signs of giving a damn mm-hmm. about any of us. And when they do, it feels very pandering. It feels insincere. It's like, we love you. We want to be, we, we want you to be a part of us, but also you can't really be you. We want you to be this certain way. Mm-hmm. So it's all conditional. And it that's the first time that I really recognized how conditional um, the Mormon God's love is mm-hmm. and the acceptance of the Mormon church is for everyone. If mm-hmm. you're on the margins and you don't fit in their perfect little box, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You're screwed. Also, I wanted to bring up one thing in the news recently is that uh, Susan Bednar's husband was, did a, I don't know, some kind of a speech at a, at the press club and they did an answer question answer session at the end where this reporter asked him questions and I'm just going to read the quote from her question one of her questions and his response so she said to him do you envision a day when LGBTQ members can marry and be sealed within the church and he said we believe that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God and that the family is central to the father's plan for the eternal destiny and happiness of his children. Period. He did not answer the question. Mm-mm. No. Um, I hate him so much. <laughs> hate him so much. But yeah. So what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about coming out and being in the closet. Okay. And what that's like and why it sucks and it's also great at the same time. Yeah. Um, pretty much, especially when you live 
in a pretty conservative area, lots of lots of Mormons, you have to be very careful and selective about who you tell. Even if, you know, like, I'm mostly out. Like, that's what I'll say, is I'm mostly out to, you know, all my friends and family, people who are important to me, but there are still times when I choose to be in the closet and I I won't be out. And that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that I'm ashamed of anything. It's kind of like... It's kind of like protecting myself, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I would feel unsafe or, like, i being judged or, you know, especially unfairly. Yeah. Um, so an example of this is at work. Mm-hmm. I'm fully in the closet. No one at work knows. At least I haven't told them. I think a few people have their suspicions. Yeah. They might be able to tell a little bit. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, I'm intentionally in the closet at well work. and let's just say too like you don't work in a typical teenager environment yes yeah and I think if you did like if you were working with peers people that you mm-hmm. go to school with or whatever then it would be easier and yes. more obvious like you would just be yourself and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a thing but you're working with some older adults mm-hmm. and just a few really right there's not yeah. a bunch of them yeah but you're working in another city Mm-hmm. and in a totally different environment. You're, mm-hmm. Are you the only teenager there? They actually recently hired another teenager who's actually a sophomore. Oh, okay. Um, so she's younger than me, but yeah, I work mostly with adults, and the whole culture around my work, there's a lot of very conservative, mm-hmm. white men, mm. <laughs> specifically. I There actually, there is a surprisingly large amount of LGBTQ people who come into my work. Oh. It's very it's very split because mm. there's either like gay couples okay. or completely conservative Trump straight men. Yeah. You know, like it's it's yeah. Yeah. Complete opposites sides of the spectrum. Yeah. But you um, see some of both. Yes, I see some of both. Usually pretty even. Yeah. But it's it's Still, like, I've I've chosen to stay in the closet and, you know, that's that's for me because I, it's kind of like, like, if I don't know that they're going to be supportive, mm-hmm. I don't want to come out because it's kind of like, they don't deserve to know that side of me if mm. they're not going to be supportive of it. And, yeah, I mean, when I meet anyone new, I kind of, I sit around and I wait a while before I reveal anything mm-hmm. because I want to know that they're going to be supportive and like I I just I'll sit and I'll listen to everything they say and like at my work my my boss and her husband are both very like I mean first off they automatically assume I'm straight which is the first like mm, would they be okay if I wasn't though yeah. you know like they always they always ask me, oh, you, you have a boyfriend? You're going on dates? Like, that really? kind of thing. They say, oh, I have a boyfriend. Oh, when you are when you have a husband, this, this, you know. Really? And I, it just baffles me that people just assume. Make that and I, I guess, you know, if they don't know anyone who's gay, they might just not think about it, which yeah. is fine. But it is kind of one of those things where it's like, if they assume, then mm-hmm. it's like, okay. That's like a little red flag right there. Maybe don't come out because I don't know if they're supportive or not. And pretty recently, a couple weeks ago, there was something that my boss had said. 
she said something along the lines of all lesbians dress like men. Yeah. Except she doesn't didn't use the word lesbians. Mm. She yeah. And that like in that moment I was kind of like shocked like I didn't even know what to say and I kind of like froze up because it's it's like if if I weren't gay it would be a lot easier to be like hey that's not right. But because I am, I don't want to out myself. Mm. But it was also like, it happened so fast. I didn't know what to say. I didn't even like have time to process it. Yeah. And luckily her husband was like, that's like a derogatory term. And she was like, yeah, well, you know, and it, it like that moment passed and I didn't think about it until I was like driving home from work and it kind of hit me. And I remember just, like, sobbing on my way home from work and coming home crying. And, like, mm-hmm. um, I talked with you about it for mm-hmm. a while. Like, it it really, like, it didn't really hit me until after afterward Yeah, how much that sucked and how much I was really hurt by that. Because even though it wasn't directed at me, right. it still gave me a very clear view of how she feels. Yeah. And... You know, because before that, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to stay in the closet just long enough for me to see if I can come out. And that was kind of like a, I'm, I'm not going to come out. Like it, yeah. like I don't see myself ever coming out to them. And but then we should also say that you've been working there for over a year mm-hmm. and they really love you. Yes. Like they have been like extremely generous with mm-hmm. you. They... They just love you. And yeah. I think you love them. I do. They're really great people. Yeah. And I, I really look up to my to my boss. I really look up to her. And is and that part of... Did that add to the painfulness of that situation? Yes. Yeah. Because I really looked up to her and then finding out that, like, she might not like me if she, if she really knew. knew. If mm. she really knew me, she might not like me. And it's really... Like, especially after that, going into work has been very, like, anxiety-inducing because I don't mm. want them to know... And it's like I have to do everything I can to to keep it a secret. And I think I think her husband's <laughs> figuring it out slowly because really? he, you know, he always comes in and he just like asks me about you know my life and how I'm doing. And yeah. he's the one who always asks me like, "Oh, are you going on any dates?" Because I I work every Saturday night. And he's like, "You're here every Saturday night. Don't you go on dates?" And uh-huh. I was like, "Uh, no, not really." And he's like, "Boys don't ask you out." And I was like. Nope. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I've I've never been on a date with a boy. And I said you that. You told him that? Yeah, I said, I've never been on a date with a boy. Because I haven't. That's the truth. He's like, you've never been on a date? And I was like, nope, not with a boy. Oh. I, I don't think I said it like that. I think okay, I was like. because that would be a dead giveaway to me. Yeah, yeah. I think I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah. But I think he, I don't know. Hmm. But. Yeah, being in the closet is rough sometimes. And sometimes it's good, you know, to kind of protect yourself. But a lot of times it can be... It kind of sucks. Yeah. It sucks to not be able to, like, fully be yourself and feel like you are constantly hiding things. And it can totally affect your relationships with people. Totally. And... Okay, so I have a question about that. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it's a common thing for straight people to not understand why gay people need to come out yes so 
and I, I've had to explain this to other people mm-hmm. before, but for those who are listening, in case they don't understand, or maybe if maybe they have family members that don't understand and they could share this with them, mm-hmm. what would you say to that question? Why do gay people have to come out? It's kind of like, because it's such an important thing, and it's a big part of our lives, mm-hmm. like, our sexuality is important. And a lot of people are like, why, why is it such a big deal, gay, straight, whatever? That's a great mentality. However, like, it's not a perfect world. You mm-hmm. know, in a perfect world, it wouldn't matter. But it's not like that. And a lot of people spend a lot of their time hiding who they are. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it should be their choice when and if they come out, especially to certain people. Mm -hmm. So when someone is involuntarily outed to other people, it sucks because it wasn't their choice. Mm -hmm. And they, they should get to choose the time and place and how they come out to people. Especially when it comes to the people close to them, like their parents or their friends or their family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's important and, you know, they've thought about it they have no one's no one's not thought about how they're going to come out right however they have thought about how they're going to accidentally get outed and how much anxiety that produces Mm. and it's very it's like a special moment you know you don't want it you want to have control over that moment when you come out and you know for some people it might not be a big deal they might just you know like there's definitely a lot of friends like People my age, especially, I'll just like, you know, nonchalant come out. I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, my my girlfriend or whatever. Like, I'll, I'll just mm-hmm. say it in casual conversation. But when it's someone who I've known, or like if you've been in the closet around someone, then coming out is a bigger deal. Yeah. Because you've been in the closet and yeah. you've been hiding it and you want to tell them in a way that you have control over. And yeah, it's... You just want to have control over that situation and that yeah. information. So how would you respond to somebody who says, well, straight people don't come out? Well, because <laughs> straight people don't need to come out. Because they've, they've never had to be in the closet. No straight yeah. person has ever had to pretend to be gay. Every gay person has had to pretend to be straight. Oof. Yeah. Like, it because in our society, straight is the default. Right you're you know you're born straight like it's not you're not okay i'm putting it in air quotes quotes, i realize you can't tell that i do that you like that's that's the default everyone that's the assumption is always that you're straight unless you say otherwise and so straight people they live their whole lives gay (laughs) right this is true straight (laughs) until proven gay straight people you know like you know, in second grade, you're like, oh, that boy is so cute. I have a crush on him. You know, mm-hmm. that's coming out yeah. as straight, right? Yeah. I, I, we don't recognize it or we don't see it as any big deal because that's already mm-hmm. the assumption. That's the given already, right? Yeah. And so in a million little ways, like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I am going on a date with a boy or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's coming out as straight, right? Yeah. And straight people do it all the time, mm-hmm. but they don't recognize it yeah. as as letting somebody know what your sexuality is. And so some straight people are really uncomfortable with gay people coming out because they're like, why do you need to tell us what your sexuality is? Well, it's the same as you telling somebody that you have a crush on Mm -hmm. the opposite sex or you telling somebody that you're going on a date with the opposite sex. That's you sharing your sexuality, right? That is you coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, because 
even when I, you know, say in casual conversation anything about dating girls, that is coming out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when straight straight people do that every day, like it's not, yeah, it they don't need to come out. And well, they've been doing it way. their whole lives, so yeah. They don't even recognize it, yeah. From from a very young age, they get teased about, oh, do you like that boy or mm-hmm. do you like that girl? And, and they're like, oh, like so embarrassed, and they they mm-hmm. you know just get embarrassed and yeah. and they get teased about it and it's and it's just kind of a funny little thing well like I've started recognizing in fact I had a conversation with your youngest sister uh I don't know the other day she was asking me about my middle name and my maiden name and mm-hmm. like what the difference was and stuff and so we were talking about oh yeah well well you know when you get married usually at least when I got married it was totally normal to just take your husband's name I said but nowadays I think that you can do whatever you want you know and mm-hmm. if you marry a boy you can take his name if you marry a girl you can take her name or if you marry a boy they can take your name or mm-hmm. or a girl can take your name like I'm like you get to choose there's not really a strict rule about that it used to seem like there was a strict rule about it and so yeah I took dad's name when I married him like this was my maiden name and and she was like oh interesting and and I made the point to say if you marry a girl you can choose like what name you want or you can hyphenate your name or you can just both keep your same exact names and not change them at all you know yeah and It's just interesting because, of course, my mom never had that conversation with me. Oh, yeah. That was 100% a given. Mm -hmm. Just when you get married, you take the man's name. Mm -hmm. Because the man is the man. Yep. So I I like that progress. That kind of makes me happy to be able to. And and I think that should be more talked about, too. Mm Because, like, with, with kids, like your sister's age to be like, do you have any crushes? You know, you could say it like that instead of, do you like any boys? Yeah. You can be like, Hey, do you have any crushes? And they don't, they don't have to have crushes. I think one thing that really sucks is like teasing kids about Mm -hmm. their crushes. Cause then when they grow older, for whatever reason, they feel embarrassed about liking anyone. And I think, I mean, I've talked to lots of people and they're like, I don't tell my parents when I have crushes or when I go Mm. on dates because I feel embarrassed. And I think that definitely stems from parents being like, oh, do you have a crush on him? Oh, that's so cute. Like totally teasing kids about who they like, you know. And And I think siblings, older siblings are (laughs) at least as much to blame as parents, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, like, you would get totally teased by your brother or Mm -hmm. whatever for things. So that's definitely a thing. And aunts and uncles and extended family. Yeah, everyone, not just parents. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. So I think, like, if, yeah, if kids would be raised to think, like, you know, whatever they can like, whoever they like, they wouldn't really need to come out. Yeah. It wouldn't be as such a big thing. Yeah. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be such a great day when there's no need to come out Mm -hmm. when it's exactly the same as straight people? Yeah. When it's just in, in casual conversations, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I like this girl. Yeah. You know, for them to, and just like, Oh, that's great. You know? Mm-hmm. And like to not have it be any big deal at all. Yeah. The other thing that it would be really amazing is when we no longer need pride parades. Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea of a pride parade mm-hmm. is because we need it. Yeah. There's like, still 
so much discrimination. And I don't think that there will be a day when we don't need pride parades because yeah. it's it's still like a celebration of, you know, our past. Yes. And like we've overcome a lot yeah. in, in homophobia and like I think we'll always have pride parades the same way we still have like... Um, the pioneer parades <laughs> <laughs> exactly or like you know black history month and yes you know it's still gonna be there just but because it's why like, do we have black history month because we still need it because we still need yeah. it and because there is a history of oppression and inequality yes. and all the things right and so i wish i would hope for some day in the world that we that that's not something that's necessary yeah but the, one of the things that i noticed about the pride parade and how what I loved about it was it was just a fully accepting space, Mm -hmm. a safe and fully accepting space where people could be exactly who they want to be. Mm -hmm. And there was no need to, I mean, it was just, it was just really fun to see people out and proud. Yeah. Proud about it. Um, Wearing what they wanted to wear, dressing Mm -hmm. how they wanted to dress. I mean, there were so many variations of Mm -hmm. types of LGBTQ people there. And I think it's really wonderful to have, you know, our whole family Mm -hmm. go to that and, you know, just to be exposed to this world Mm -hmm. that I was never exposed to as a kid. So for me, I I grew up thinking that was weird stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, that man's wearing a dress, that's weird. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think that way anymore. I want to think... That man is expressing the way he wants to express himself and it's mm-hmm. beautiful and amazing. And even if he's not a man, like that person, mm-hmm. not even calling him a man, but just yeah. saying. Instead, you're just going to see him and think, oh, I like their dress. Yeah, you're going to you think know? that person is so confident and beautiful. Yeah. Right? And not yeah. even labeling them as, mm-hmm. you know, something specific. And yeah. and not thinking that it's weird. Like, And it's, it's just like. It's just fun. It's just yeah. a party. You get to go and dress up and mm-hmm. cheer and Express meet all these people. yourself however you and, want. Yeah. Yeah, next year we want to like totally go all out and dress yeah. up, paint our faces, <laughs> paint the dog. Every time, <laughs> every time I do, every time I go to Pride... I'm getting ready and I'm like, this is, this is probably enough rainbows. Like I'm probably wearing enough rainbows. And then I go to pride and I'm like, this is not enough this rainbows. Not I'm enough like rainbows. underdressed right now. <laughs> like I always, th- I always think I'm dressing up and then I get there and I'm like, I feel like I'm yeah. underdressed. Oh yeah. We were way time. underdressed this yeah. time. So wait, did you go to a different pride event that I didn't go to? I'm trying to remember. Yes and no. Oh. Last year, we kind of went to Pride, but we didn't actually go see, like, the parade or very many of the They didn't events. have a parade last year. Oh, well, yeah. We yeah. didn't We didn't even really go see the, the events. We dressed up in all our rainbow stuff, and then we went to Salt Lake, and we were, like, right around the area, but we didn't actually go to any of the things. We kind of just walked, <laughs> walked around. We went to, like, the planetarium and, like, oh my gosh, just hung out in, in Salt Lake, and that was our Pride event. But even then... Not being at the actual event, we still saw tons of people and felt underdressed because yeah. there's they're all yeah because everyone walking around Salt Lake City is just out there yeah and yeah it's awesome even not not at the event there's people everywhere just wearing full rainbows yeah yeah it's yeah great. so next year we're gonna be way more dressed up mm-hmm. so back to the like the conversation we're having about coming out I. Uh, was thinking about that and and part of the reason why it is so hard 
to come out is because like you said, like when you get to know somebody and they can just say one little thing that sounds homophobic or that sounds Mm -hmm. like, okay, they're not very open-minded or they're very conservative and you kind of read all these different cues, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's true of like, you know, when you're out in the workplace or at school or whatever, but when you're raised in a home, you know exactly how your parents feel, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's really sad when kids when they recognize that they are gay and they just beat themselves up over it trying mm-hmm. to change it like you talked about in your first episode just trying to pray away the gay mm-hmm. and all the things and being afraid to come out and tell your parents mm-hmm. um i found this quote that i wanted to share and i kind of want your thoughts on it it's from that book gay rights in the mormon church from greg prince it was published in april of 2019 So here's a quote. It says, by condemning homosexuality as evil, self-inflicted, and impossible in post-mortal existence, the church has opened the door to draconian behavior by parents, peers, and congregations. The alarming number of homeless LGBT teenagers in Utah, many of them from Mormon homes, is a jolting manifestation of such behavior. Even more alarming is the rise in teen suicides in Utah. The number has more than tripled in the past decade and is the highest per capita rate in the country for this age demographic. Hmm. What are your thoughts about that? I, I believe it. I know, I mean, in school, all the gay kids kind of flock together, especially Mm -hmm. in junior high. Mm -hmm. So I knew, you know, most of the other gay kids and most of them like I would say a good majority of them were not as lucky as I was and Mm. they had parents who didn't accept them or who or parents that didn't even know yeah oh you you have friends to this day that still haven't come out yes I have and it it like especially not being out to your parents can make things really hard Mm -hmm. because you are feel like you're lying to them constantly. Yep. And it ruins your relationship with your parents and your relationship with if you have a significant other. Mm-hmm. It can make things really hard. And yeah. I think you end up resenting the situation and yes. resenting your parents because yeah. you can't fully be yourself. I mean, talk about uh, your, your... So you have a, a trans friend mm-hmm. who... He is now 18, mm-hmm. and he's going to be starting testosterone here in the next six months or something, I think yeah. you said. But he's been trans uh, ever since, like, what, eighth grade? Ninth grade? I I think he... I mean... He transitioned, you know, socially or whatever. Yeah. When I met him sophomore year of high school... Oh, it was sophomore year. Okay. Yeah. And he, he was... I mean, he had, like... He was presenting male. He, you know, changed his name at school. He was, all the teachers called him he. Mm-hmm. Um, but his mom didn't know. He he had to hide all that from his mom. Like, at school, he was totally out. And I, I remember, <laughs> like, first time I met his mom, I said he, referring mm-hmm. to this friend... And we were in the car, and he's in the front seat with his mom, and I'm in the back seat. And I said, he, I, I don't even remember what I said, but I used he, him pronouns on him. And he, like, 
turned around Oof. and and like gave me the death stare and I was like, "Oh no." Yeah. Like I messed up. And yeah, he eventually did he told his mom he didn't want to go by his dead name anymore. He was like, "This is my nickname. Like, can you call me this?" She still to this day doesn't. Oh, she doesn't? No. Every time I go over there and she uses his dead name, it like it takes me a second cuz I'm like, "Who is she?" Who's she talking about? Because wow. I've never known him by any other name. And then I... Yeah. It's like... Yeah. So he has... So, he's come out to her. But they have not been supportive and have not allowed him mm-hmm. to transition with hormones. Yes. He's... So... Oh, this. I don't even think I've told you this. Okay. His mom told him that he can transition, but he can't do it while he's living with them. She says that she fully supports him and loves him. No, that's not fully supporting. But you can't do it while you're living here because I can't handle that. No. She said that. She said, I can't handle that. I don't want to see that. So where's he moving to? He's trying to move out. He's trying to find an apartment so he can can start hormones. I think he starts in August, so he has to find a place. And he does, he's, you know, just barely 18. Yeah. And he has to move out if he wants to transition. Yeah. And that's just so heartbreaking to me. Um, I've, I have had conversations um, where I've talked to parents who do not believe their kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, ta- I've had two different conversations with people uh, where they have a child that came out as gay. And both of these mothers said, they're not. They're not gay. So I think they're, they're being influenced by people like this certain friend, you know, is, is trying to make them gay or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just refuse to accept it. They just say, that's not them. I know them better than they know themselves (laughs) and that's not them. And it's just a phase they're going through. And part of me, I mean, first of all, that kind of breaks my heart because I want to say, you know, just believe them. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. Hey, what if it is a phase? And what if they do change their minds? What's the worst thing that you could do? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just supported them and you just believe them, if they say they're gay, mm-hmm. and then someday if they change their mind, so what? Which is a huge if, but still, like, who yeah. cares? It's, yeah, that, it is a huge if, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that anybody pretends to be gay. Yeah. I don't think that anybody comes out as gay when they're unsure. Mm-hmm. They've thought about it. They've <laughs> thought about it for a long time. The other experience I was going to share was my sister went to um, the wedding of my trans cousin mm-hmm. who uh, he just married another trans man. Okay. So two transgender men getting married. Right. Mm-hmm. And they live clear across the country, so I wasn't able to attend. But my sister lives over on that side of the country, and she was able to go. Well, his parents were there, and this is my aunt and uncle, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so they were talking to my sister, and they used his dead name multiple times. Really? Yes, and called him, you know, she, her, or whatever. Used she, her pronouns, and, and used his dead name to my sister. And, okay, this... This is a full-blown, like, 40-something-year-old man. Mm-hmm. He transitioned, you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. There is, I mean, he's fully transitioned. The fact that his parents at his own wedding 
I mean, the fact that they came, I guess, is something. They came. Yeah. His hu- The man he married, his parents wouldn't come. They refused to oh, come. really? They have completely shut him down, cut oh. him off. We'll have nothing to do with him. He has a twin sister who the twin sister is fully accepting and loving and mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, and that has to be really, I, I, I've got it. I'm sure that that's a challenge. I feel like having a child come out as transgender would be challenging But I've come around to the idea of thinking it's not as challenging as I used to think that Mm -hmm. it would be. Like you'd get over it. Oh, yeah. I would just I I would just believe them Uh and support them. And I mean, I used to have really like confused feelings about it and conflicting Mm -hmm. feelings about transgenderism because I thought, Mm -hmm. no, they're mentally ill or they don't know what. I remember you you telling me that in like junior high. (laughs) Like hearing you say like, oh, they're they're mentally ill, they're sick, they think they think they're the wrong gender, and like hearing that and being like, oh, wow, that was, yeah, um, yeah, sometimes yeah, it's, the cringe. <laughs> it's one thing to think that your kid is going through a phase when they're in junior high and they say they're trans, mm-hmm. but when they're forty something years old, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a phase anymore. That's like their whole life. Yeah. And he had said, you know, he he had said he knew that he was a boy since he was a child. Mm-hmm. And he never dared to come out. He, you know, he grew up, he married a man and had a baby and, you know, was living as a woman and trying to just be okay with himself. But it wasn't until he finally, like, came out and accepted who he was that he's, like, so happy and thriving mm-hmm. and so... I think it's the whole coming out thing and I think the way the church teaches us about gay and transgender people makes it so much harder for parents to accept their kids when they come out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge contributing factor to the homelessness and suicide mm-hmm. uh, rate of LGBTQ teens Yeah, in Utah and, and everywhere. But Utah, we are triple. It has gone up triple the rates have tripled in the last decade. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? Like, yeah, there's a problem with there's the a culture. problem. There's a problem. Yeah, I I used to always say when I was in church about trans people, I would say like people think that that you can't you know support trans people if you're in the church, but that's not true because. You know, they say, oh, God doesn't make mistakes. Well, he didn't make his mistake. He made you trans on purpose. Mm. And I would always say that to my to my friend because, you know, even when I was in the church, I was still good friends with him. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, like, I don't think, like, if even if you do believe in God, like, that doesn't disprove that trans people are valid and real because I don't right. think God made a mistake. That's right. He made he made trans people because he wanted trans people like yeah or you know yeah. So I I think like so I have a friend right now who she's trying to figure out a way to come out to her parents. She's wanting to come out. And so we've been brainstorming fun ways to do it that won't get her kicked out of the house. <laughs> and mm. um, I don't think they, they probably won't kick her out of the house. But do you th- we really don't... think that they have no clue whatsoever? I'm sure they know. Okay, they first of all, first question, how long has she known that she's gay? Ooh, I don't even know. Okay. I, I've only known her for like a year, so I wouldn't have known okay. like 
but she, okay. I mean, I just, it baffles me that any parents can't have, like, a sneaking suspicion, especially yeah. with her, because she's not, she's not very sneaky about it. <laughs> I think, yeah. like, it's hard, like, I don't think anyone can look at her and think, man, that's a straight woman right there. <laughs> I just don't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm so sure they, they probably have, have some suspicions. Yeah, I'm sure they're guessing, but yeah, we we actually used to date for a while, and it was hard because she was still in the closet, and so like, it was. She's told me about it. Like it was very, it was difficult because she felt like she was always lying to her parents. Mm-hmm. Like every time she went out to you know when we went when we would go on dates she yeah, had you to went be to like homecoming together what yeah we went to then? homecoming together and it's like she had to lie to them hmm. and about everything and be like every time she went out she had to think of you know something to say like and you know that really put a strain on our relationship and like you know because it's it's hard to feel like you're living two lives and like mm-hmm. hiding everything from your parents and so I never really met her family but she she met our family mm-hmm. and and you guys are still friends yeah well, I think it takes a lot of courage to mm-hmm. be honest when you know that the truth can potentially hurt someone mm-hmm. or disappoint someone mm-hmm. or that it can change your relationship, right? Oh, yeah. Because it, I mean, if she comes out, especially when you're still living with your parents, mm-hmm. it can change your entire home life. Yeah. Like, the way things are, it can change everything. And you don't know if it'll change for better or for worse. Or, yeah. you know, things might be fine, but it's hard to believe that when you hear lots of stories from yeah. friends and from on the internet of parents who weren't, weren't so supportive. And, yeah. you know... It does change things. I think I think no matter what, things are going to change when you come out. And that can be really scary. Yeah, that's definitely, that's the biggest, that's the most scary thing about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I hope that the world is becoming a more affirming place. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is. Yeah. I think overall there has been progress. Mm-hmm. There still needs to be a lot more progress. Yep. But, like, if I can be in the place where I'm at today, I know that change is totally possible. Mm-hmm. Because I think I have shifted, you know, 180 degrees in the last four or five years oh, yeah. on this issue. And I think it happens in increments. And it happens more as you are around more gay people, as you listen to their stories and and ha- like their struggles and what they've been through. One of the really great resources for me was the podcast called Listen, Learn and Love by Papa Osler. Mm. Um he is a faithful Latter-day Saint who interviews a lot of gay or trans people and their family members and stuff. And he does it all from a faithful perspective. So when I was in the church, that felt safe to me, right? Mm-hmm. But just hearing the stories of trans people and gay people like opened mm-hmm. my eyes so much. Yeah. Because you can feel empathy. You can mm-hmm. feel like this is a real person. Whereas if people do not get exposed to gay people or trans people, 
they it's way easier for them to slam the door in their face. It's way mm-hmm. easier to hate, you know, a statistic mm-hmm. than it is to hate a person, right? Yeah. And so when people have hate or bigoted or homophobic views, mm-hmm. I genuinely think that it's because they they do not know anybody personally. They yeah. haven't and and if they did know somebody, they kicked them out of their lives. Like they mm-hmm. never gave it a chance to get to know them, to learn about their story Mm -hmm. to see them as human yeah i kind of i just thought of an interesting story this is from a while ago i think it was the summer of 2020 or something i went up and i stayed at my grandpa's house and Mm. his his wife's daughter and all her kids and they're super mormon Mm -hmm. like super mormon Mm -hmm. you know and they have 13 kids yeah and at one point so what we were doing up there was helping them fix their house so they could sell it. They had to do some, like, construction stuff, and so we went up there to help them. And, you know, we, we helped them, and we were babysitting as well, because it's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I remember at one point we did get on the topic of gay people, and one of one of the... Kids. kids there um he was i think like 13 or something he told me about this time that he was at um was a boy scouts i think mm-hmm. and there was a kid who was gay there and they all like teamed up on him and locked him in the porta potty and tipped it over while he was in there like they locked it with um bungee cords and tipped it over while he was in there and that obviously was immediate like i really can't let them know i'm gay like it was like actually i felt really afraid Mm. like if they had ever found out what would happen because i'm but you First told off, him that was really terrible oh, thing to do. Oh right? yes, I was like, that is awful. And you know, I tried to speak their language and be like, is he not still a child of God? Like, shouldn't yeah. you still treat him good? I said, I said, is he not still a child of God? And he responds and he says, no, gay people are children of Satan. And I was like, mm, yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, and then. You know, his his mom came into the room. I don't think she heard about him, what he did to that kid. Because I, I would hope that she would definitely intervene. Because she oh. is a sweet lady. But she, you know, we got on the topic because we were talking about it. And she's like, I just I just think gay people are ruining this country. They're, they ruin the sanctity of marriage. And, mm. you know, they're, they're what's wrong with this country. And I'm sitting there and I'm there with my cousin who knows I'm gay. And we're kind of just like looking at each other like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. Mm. Ooh, I just said, oh my gosh. That still happens sometimes every time I say it. I'm like, oh, gross. Um, <laughs> that was a staple part of my vocabulary for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but later later in that trip, the mom, she said to me, I wish that my kids were more like you. Wow. Even though I'm ruining this country, apparently. Yeah. She said, I wish my kids were more like you. And it was kind of like, wow, you have no idea. 
Yeah. Like, you have no idea. Because if she knew I was gay, she would not she wish would not her kids. She would not have said that. But she, like, I, I wish I would have... I wonder if she knows now. She's got to know now. Yeah. Because everybody knows. And And I wonder how she feels about that. Yeah. I mean, that was right after, and you were only out to a few people. Yeah. It was right after you came out. Yeah. I was only, yeah, I was only out to a few people. And yeah, now, you know, my grandpa knows, and I'm sure he he told her, Mm -hmm. because they love to gossip and tell everybody well and that's like one of my one of my favorite quotes is be careful what you hate it might be someone you love yeah and i think it's so true because she's speaking from such an ignorant place Mm -hmm. of like not having any idea Mm -hmm. that this person who she's gushing about that she loves you and she thinks you're so wonderful and you helped her so much Mm -hmm. with her house and her kids and all this stuff and she just thinks the world of you and yet she tells you that she hates gay people. Yeah. So it just, she has no idea. Yeah. I was worried to see them again. I did see them again in the fall. And I was really worried because when stuff like that happens where it's like they loved me and because they didn't know I was gay. Yeah. And then I see them again and they know I'm gay. It puts a lot of pressure on me to continue to be perfect mm. the same mentality I had when I was in the church yeah you know even when I was like okay I'm gay that's fine and I was still in the church and I was like that means I have to be even more perfect yeah. because I have to prove that gay people aren't bad. bad yeah and I really so much because there was a big gap of time between when I saw her last and you know it was like before when I saw her it was, I'm going to be so perfect that I make these people realize that gay people aren't bad, and more importantly, being gay doesn't mean you leave the church. Mm. And then this last time I saw her, I am fully left the church, gone, and, you know, at one point, the missionaries came over, Oof. and, you know, I was there with, again, that same cousin and her family, who are pretty supportive of of me Mm -hmm. being out of the church. And, you know, my aunt, she said to me, she was like, hey, you don't have to, like, go listen to their lesson. Like, you can just chill here. And that was really sweet. And that's what I did. I just, you know, like, I think she even said, she was like, if you, if this makes you uncomfortable, like, I'm I'm really sorry, you don't have to stay down here and listen. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, it's fine. Like, I was just sitting in the color, at the table, like, coloring or something Mm -hmm. while they were doing their lesson. And that moment was really kind of, it was scary because I, I still felt like I wanted her to approve of me and I didn't want her to think like, oh, now that she's gay, she's left the church and is gone to sin. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, not listening to a, a missionary's lesson is the same as, you know, murder, apparently. <laughs> and especially in their mind, they're very, very farm Mormon like why why did they have the missionaries over do you feel like there was an ulterior motive there because you were there visiting it, like it sometimes feels you like think that. that was just a coincidence did had they invited the missionaries over or did the missionaries just show up um I think they invited them over and it does sometimes feel like that I feel like a I lot think of... I can't help but be, like, a little skeptical uh-huh. of people. A lot of Mormons have ulterior motives. Yes. And I I did think that at the time. And, 
yeah, there have been other times where I've stayed with with family that are Mormon and the missionaries have come over. <laughs> and it's like, hmm. Like that's these, convenient. Yeah, it's really convenient they're coming over when I'm here. And I just, it's, their whole family stresses me out. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it really feeds into my perfectionism. Yeah. And wanting them to like me and, you know, because totally. there was a time in my life where I was like, that's the kind of family that I want is mm. this really Mormon family. And especially like when I met them, I was I was still in the church and it was at the point where my dad had left and my brother had left and it was like I was really craving that perfect family mm-hmm. and that, you know, everyone is in the church and they're all so happy and mm-hmm. loving when they really were all I craved all the same loving. thing because mm-hmm. my parents had gotten divorced mm-hmm. and my thing was like, well, I'm never going to get divorced. We're mm-hmm. going to have this perfect family. Mm-hmm. You know what I was just thinking of? You said that she has 13 kids. Mm-hmm. So statistically speaking, three of those kids are gay. <laughs> yep. So I think I already know which one. <laughs> I already probably I already, the one that tipped over the kid in the porta potty. That's my first guess. Oh yes. Oh my god. I I definitely think he's because a lot of times it's the, the most kids who are gay ones. are the most homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, don't you kind of just feel sorry for them because mm-hmm. you know that they have to be even more especially closeted than you. You know. Yeah. Of, like, the expectation and the pressure to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, why can't the church change that? Why can't we be teaching different things? Yeah. Why can't we? Because if if this, if the church is actually Christ's church, Mm -hmm. this is not the way they would be teaching us to behave. Mm -hmm. We would not be alienating our own children, kicking them out of the house because they are gay. Mm -hmm. Christ would not do that. Yeah. Jesus did not expect, he he had no conditions. When he said Mm -hmm. that the first two great commandments or whatever is to love God and love your neighbor, he didn't say love your neighbor unless they're gay. Mm -hmm. He, there is no part in any scripture that Jesus even mentions gay people. No. Or trans people. Nope. He doesn't say anything about that. Nope. Ever. Nope. And there's plenty of Christians who like to say that the Bible, you know, says against gay people, but that's not true. There's Mm -hmm. nothing in the Bible that teaches that, you know, homosexuality, uh, as we define it today is, is a bad thing. Yeah. And Jesus never did that. Now, Mm -hmm. the other thought that just came to my mind about (laughs) Jesus said to love your neighbor, even if they're gay, um, you know, because there's no conditions on it. That means that we also have to love our neighbors that are Trump supporters. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't really follow Jesus. So. <laughs> That's true. I don't even think Jesus is real. So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we don't have to love them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Screw Jesus. Whatever he said. That's not real. That Some man wrote that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just made that up and said mm. that Jesus said it. <laughs> Anyways. No, but... Just, I just wish, and I I do feel like there has been progress. There are things in the world that are changing, but I just hope for, you know, when I see families with kids and these super Orthodox, super Mormon families, I just feel sorry for them. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that the world changes more for them. Yeah. So that they can be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel so bad for them. And, 
yeah, there definitely was a time where I wanted my family to be like that, and it was like, so then when I'd go stay with them, it was like, oh, I love this, and I want them to like me and approve of me and love me, and yeah, so then seeing them again, it felt like, like I could feel myself wanting to go back to being that picture-perfect person, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, trying anything I could do to get them to approve of me, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's so ingrained in me to yeah, do that. That's, that's like my was, default setting. Yep, that's what I was going to say. I think that's part of our Mormon brain is constantly trying to strive to be worthy mm-hmm. and to be to have people approve yeah. of us. Even though I see all the faults in it. Even yeah. though I see like, yeah. oh, this family isn't actually all that happy. Yeah. They fight all the time, actually. Like, they're not that... They're not a picture-perfect family. Yeah, tell the story about your friend. Oh my gosh, yeah. My friend's mom kicked her out because of some fight they had. And she's not, she's not gay, it wasn't wasn't because of that. But she, her mom kicked her out of the house and was like, find somewhere else to live. And it was like a week before her birthday. And, you know, she's graduating soon. And it... And then, like, a week later, on her birthday, her mom posts on Facebook this, Oh, my daughter, I love her so much. She's my best friend. She's, you know, like, such an an inspiration to me. Yes. You know, as if she didn't kick her out a week ago. And, like, it's kind of that, like, they have to present perfect and seem like they're a happy family when they're not i think some of the most unhappy families i know like the ones that fight and the ones who who resent each other are the ones who are the most like religious and perfect yeah trying to be perfect they're the ones that fight the most yeah and struggle the most with each other yeah I think that's so common. I mean, that was my family that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I, My parents could not stand each other. They never got along. And yet, when we went to church, everybody in the ward thought we were the perfect family. Mm-hmm. We had on the picture perfect. Mm-hmm. We put on a good show. Yeah. And But inside our home, it was not that way. And so I think it's really important to like... To recognize that, that number one, when you see people, what they post online, you know, isn't necessarily what's actually going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And people are struggling more than you think they are. Mm -hmm. And people can all use a little bit more kindness and grace Mm -hmm. and love and acceptance unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And, And also to not like beat ourselves up over not seeming perfect because it's really easy to seem perfect in pictures on social media. Yep. And to have the real truth be so 100% the opposite. Mm-hmm. And thank God there was no social media when I was growing up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I hate to even think about what that would have been like. Okay. One other thing I wanted you, and we might edit some of this out. I don't know how long we'll go, but one other I guess story that I kind of wanted you to tell was um, number one, like the, that six month period of time where you were kind of, I guess, leaving the church, the 
especially for truth camp that you went Mm. to tell about that experience and then tell about the experience of like when you listen to the ex-mormonology podcast and everything like Mm. actually hit you i don't remember if i talked about that i don't think you did so I think there's like a couple of different important stories that I want to hear you yes. tell. Yeah. So EFT, oh, it was so fun. Yeah. It was really like. That, that's especially for truth. They actually aren't doing it anymore. Yeah. Which makes me so sad. Yeah. Because you were going to go again this year uh-huh. and then it got canceled. Yeah. I I made so many friends and it really, it really helped me like a lot, like process through things. Mm-hmm. And that was very like. I think that was the first time I, like, identified as an ex-Mormon. Yeah. You know, because before that, it was like, I was definitely not in the church, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I had ever said it out loud yet. Yeah. And so going to that camp and having, like, this safe space full of people who I'd never met before. Mm -hmm. So there was no pressure of them knowing me before that. Yeah. It was kind of like, this is a whole new group of people that I can make a whole new impression on. Yeah. And so that was really... That was a really great way for me to process it. And, you know, we did lots of fun things, but we also, like, sat and talked. And we had lots of really great talks, and we all cried together. And, like, I think, like, we all kind of got to act like normal teenagers, I think. Which is something that I didn't really have before, because there was always kind of the... Well, I mean, not, like, to a great extent, but it was, like... We kind of just had fun without the pressure of being perfect. Yeah. Which was something I hadn't had before. Well, like, for instance, like, when you go to girls' camp, they have all these rules. About, yeah. You know, you can't wear shorts and you can't, you yeah. know, and you have to be modest because the exactly. priesthood leaders are here. And yeah. you have to, like, set goals and sing songs and bear your testimony. Mm-hmm. And there's still all these expectations, right? Yeah. There were no expectations. We just got to have fun and, like... um it was a really great time and, you know, we, I, I think I learned a lot. Yeah. Like, definitely about how to process all of this and how to figure it out in my own brain and to really think about it and identify, like, I'm, I'm ex-Mormon. Like, this is, I'm not going back to the church. Yeah. Because I knew that at that point, but again, like, I hadn't said it out loud. And then, um, yeah, like a month later, I listen to um ex-mormonology with was it amy logan amy is logan that her name? Mm-hmm. yeah um which is another great resource for people so transitioning great. out of i would the church. i would tell anyone to listen to it um but i i was working as a janitor and so i had lots of free time to listen to podcasts and mm-hmm. so i listened to the first three episodes and like it, all in one work setting right yeah or I think so, yeah. It was all in one day, and it, like, blew my mind. I was, I was so, because it really, because one thing she talks about is, like, grief. Like, you're experiencing grief. Mm. Because you've lost something. And that was the first time I realized, like, oh, I've lost something. Yeah. Like, I've lost my whole life. Yeah. Everything I've known is just gone. Everything I've ever thought before is gone. And it really was, like, such an uncomfortable feeling. Like, it, you know, it felt like the ground fell out beneath me. And I, I felt like I wanted to, like, crawl out of my skin. Yeah. And, like, I, it was, there was, like, a physical reaction where I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I don't want to think about this. Because yeah. I think 
for a long time, I just put it in a box, put it in the vault. Like, it was, I didn't think about it. I didn't feel anything about it. I genuinely did not feel anything. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel anything about coming out of the church until that moment when it was, like, all of this grief and just, like, it was almost unbearable. Like, it was a really difficult time. And just just in, like, that one night, I really figured it all out, and it changed how I felt, but I was, I was able to process through it, um, with the help of Amy Logan, and it, yeah, it was an interesting experience. (laughs) Yeah, I remember you coming home that night, and just, like, just, like, uh, yeah, you had, like, visibly changed. Yeah. Like, you were, like, something happened. <laughs> yeah, it, like, all just came out all at once. Yeah. So, that's so interesting. I, I think, I think our feelings are, like, we can bury them, but they're still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like a time capsule. They're, they're going to show up at some point, mm-hmm. and you still have to go and go through the grief, process the feelings, like, all of those things. Uh, otherwise, they just wait for you. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll be there when you're ready to process it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. Well, I think this has been really fun. And I'm hoping that we can continue having conversations. I've got a couple of great interviews lined up um, here in the next coming month or two with some other guests as well that I think are going to be really fun and really impactful and really interesting. So I hope that you'll stick around and keep coming back for more Dissident Daughters podcast episodes. We love you and we're so grateful for all the support that we're getting and all the great feedback that we get constantly. It's just been so fun to share, um, our stories and our experiences with you all. And I'm, loving the support. So if you aren't currently financially supporting the podcast, we would love any donations that you're able to give. Setting up a recurring donation is really awesome. You can set up like a three or $5 donation a month if you want, uh, or you can do a one-time donation of course as well. And you can do that through dissidentdaughters.org. Any support that you want to show us, we so appreciate it. And I guess we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here, Jezebel. You're welcome. (laughs) See ya. Bye. (laughs) Bye.